Hey guys, it's Melissa here from MelissaOatman.com. Welcome to another episode of Awaken Your Inner Awesomeness. I am so delighted you're here with us today. We have a very special guest with us. We have with us today Jimmy Toro. He is an artist and a composer, and he has written a new book called Heal, and he has a very fascinating story of trauma and how it has helped him to create and his creations have helped others to heal as well. So I cannot wait to talk to him today. Thank you, Jimmy, so much for being here with us. Yeah, thank you for uh, having a platform to talk about this stuff. Yeah, I think it's so important. And I, I really appreciate the fact that you were willing to open up about you know what has happened to you because I think when we are able to really voice our trauma, it helps other people too. Number one, to realize they're not alone. And number two, you, have so much wisdom and experience that you're actually helping others just by doing what you're doing. Yeah, I sure hope so. It's a lot of people live with this their whole life and then they die and it's unfortunate. Yeah, I would love for you if you could, because you have such a fascinating story. You had, I couldn't even believe when I read the things that happened to you when you were a child, when you're about nine years old. Uh, so why don't you go back and, if you would, tell us what happened in your childhood that was traumatic and that's kind of shaped you into who you are now and has helped you to create. Sure. All right. It's it's interesting to note that if you think about a child abuser, you know, who does this to kids, um, you could take a simple form of a child abuser, like a father who beats his child, right, in a fit of anger. Well, if that father rapes his child, it's much worse. And if that father rapes, tortures, and abuses his child years after years after years, it's worse. And these abusers, you know, you have single abusers like that, like a like a single serial killer or something. But often these abusers organize in, in groups. You basically have two types of groups. And one group is kind of a pseudo-religious type of group where they have their ritualistic robes and traditions and whatnot. And they, you know, if, if you go into like Jewish history in the Bible, the Jews come in and they, they, they build their temple and they have their robes and their sacrifices and they do all these things in the name of God, right? Well, at some point in the history of those people, it turns really evil. And when it turns evil, who knew, but they start sacrificing little children. And, you know, well, these types of group exi groups exist today all over the world. They're very good at hiding it. And so you don't see it out in the open, but they exist. So that's one type of child abusers that get together in this religious kind of organization. And they perform all kinds of awful sexual deviant abuses on children. I don't, even, I don't know exactly why they pick on the children other than they're a bunch of cowards and the children don't fight back. Then you have another group of uh, that kind of fits into this category, these abusers. Imagine like you own a brothel. Well, you have clients that come into your brothel. They pay you money, and you send them to a room where there's typically a man goes into a room and has sex with a girl. Well, there are these types of organizations, but instead of a man coming in to have sex with an adult girl, customers come in and do what they want with little children. And so that's an, those are organizations that are, their product is little children. Well, these little children often age out. Sometimes they kill them, harvest their organs and whatnot. 
or sometimes a young girl might be abused and raped thousands of times for years and just become wasted material. Well, because these kids age out in different ways, they have to replenish their supply of little kids. And a client will come in and say, well, okay, well, I want a, um, I want a four-year-old white, blonde, blue-eyed boy. Or I want a uh, six-year-old Asian girl. They have their creepy preferences and they're all preying on kids. And so my situation, I was involved in the, the sexual ritualistic uh, group of adults who preyed on these little kids. And it actually happened from about age three to age eight. And um, it, it, it kind of makes no sense to, to most adults how these sadists and the definition of a sadist is somebody who enjoys who enjoys inflicting pain on another, and these creeps are the worst sadists because they enjoy inflicting pain on the on the littlest people. Yeah. And and sometimes they use these excuses that you've seen throughout history. Like throughout history, these types of groups would say, "Well, we're sacrificing these little children because we give our most precious things to the gods, or whatever." It's like, like hell. Why don't you give yourself? Right. It, it's just an excuse. It's just to cover up all the robes, all the tradition, all the. It's just to cover up for these deviant individuals to do what they love to do. And from the mouth of uh, some predators, I am the master manipulator. I manipulate children and I manipulated adults. I was a father, a brother, a son, uh, and husband, and nobody knew that I was turned on by that five-year-old little girl. From the mouth of another predator might be, uh, a little child is no different to me than a ham sandwich. A ham sandwich is an object that satisfies my need for hunger. That child is an object that satisfies my need to dominate and sexually abuse. And these creeps are right in our communities and you wouldn't know it. I mean, just, I live in Salt Lake City, Utah, and just in, in the last year, um, uh, ex-mayor, an ex-assistant attorney general, a sex therapist got busted on 12 counts of rape of young girls. Uh, a soccer coach, not too long ago, a, a guy set up a, a gymnasium to have young kids learn gymnastics. Uh, he was busted. He had hidden cameras in the little boys and little girls' rooms. But these people are right in our communities, and they're doing this. And so my story is that, you know, I grew up in a little community, uh, central California, and my, another thing to note about this is that when you're abused as a child, let's say it's awful. Let's say you're a little girl and you're raped. If right on the heels of that abuse, you can go to somebody who loves you, hopefully a parent, you can release all of that trauma at that moment because the number one thing a kid wants, number one, is safety. Well, if your guardians or your parents are your abusers, you don't get safety. You store all of that in your body, all of it. And people don't don't understand what all of it means. So you have the classic cases of like CPT or PTSD, you know, with military folks, and you know, it's post traumatic. So it's after the trauma, and it's stress related, and it's a disorder. So they say. Well, in in the realm of my world, let's say there's C PTSD, which stands for child, and your body will suppress those memories. In my case, I suppressed all those memories from age three to age eight, all of them, for decades. 
And then it's not uncommon for men in their early 50s for all that to come tumbling back. You literally suppress it that long. And when it comes tumbling back, it's not just the memory of the event. It's the scared. It's the, it's the fear. It's your whole body trembling, shaking, your heart beating out of your chest, your mouth going dry. And all the panic and stress hormones that happened to you as a little kid come back as an adult. And they come back with a vengeance and they shoot through your body and they do the same thing that happened to you as that little kid did. It all comes tumbling back on top of the memories. You got to figure out how to heal from that. And that's, there's a, there's a really cool way we can get to towards the end of this, the healing process. But some of the, um, if you think about tortures through history, they are very imaginative how they figure out how to torture other humans. They're very creative. And these child predators are as creative. And so like in one of my cases, I was um, not just me, other kids. I remember other kids too. They, they threw me in this coffin and they're going to bury me alive or scare me to death in the process. Well, they're more creative than that, right? So they, they put a, a dead human body in there and, it's, and it, it had been ripped from its throat down to its center and its guts were pulled out and its ribs were spread out. So imagine putting a little child in the coffin, in that dead body, in the cavity of those ribs, and then shutting the lid and hearing that little kid scream and cry and bang on that coffin lid until the kid was exhausted and could scream no more. Well, to make it worse, they open the lid. Fortunately, I survived. They open the lid. And what do I see? I see adults laughing at me. That's just twisted stuff. These adults are so twisted. I have a hard time calling them human. They're that awful. And um, so they're clever too. Note that they're very clever. So like in my case, there were 10 of us in our family, 10 kids, and they only picked on me and my sister. Well, they know that the, lot, the one thing they don't want is to be found out. So they often do that. They'll pick one kid out of a uh, bunch of siblings of kids because if the authorities do find out or child protective services comes over and they question all the other kids and they say no 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 nothing's happening well this little guy probably won't be believed and, and adults adults have a hard time thinking that 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 that's even possible i mean i have a friend a, a, a girl when when she was nine or ten her her parents got a divorce mom married a new guy a new guy comes in and rapes her several times she says something to her mom. Mom doesn't believe her. Well, because she's in love with this guy and he's really good at hiding it. And so she had to go through two years of hell. And finally, she ratted out to the authorities who came. And instead of getting rid of dad, they took her away into an orphanage. And so if you're in a situation, and another thing to note is that probably, I don't know the number, but a good 90, 95% of kids who are abused are abused by people who they know, either a relative or a friend of a relative, somebody they know. And uh, if, uh, if you're in a situation and there, there's a hint that the little kid might be acting odd or saying something, believe the child. Children don't lie. Yeah. The adults do lie. And so I went through, oh my gosh, hundreds of these types of traumatic events over the years. And so, well, what to do about it, right? And so one of the challenging things in people who have experienced some level of trauma, and you don't have to have been 
raped and tortured and blood and this and that to experience a, a, a level of trauma that will stick with you your whole life. You could be embarrassed on a playground. Bullies could pull your pants down or something on a playground. It can, that could stay with you your whole life. Mm -hmm. um, and so, well, what to do about it, right? So uh, if you imagine you're a bus driver, adult you, and on the back of your bus are a whole bunch of little yous. And let's say, you don't know the number, let's say you were abused 100 times over a period of years. Then there are 100 little yous on your bus. And you literally have to go back to each one and revisit it and provide safety for that little you. And there's a whole magic side of that we can get into, but that's how to resolve it. And it's not fun because it is so awful. You have to relive it. You have to literally relive it. Um, yeah, so I'm rambling if you want to <laughs> jump in, <laughs> but I could keep talking. <laughs> I can't even imagine having to go through all of that. And I know that a lot of people who are out there listening have experienced trauma in some form, maybe not yeah. necessarily in the way that you were speaking of, but everyone has had some level. I don't think you escape life without certain level of trauma I agree. at some point. Yeah, I agree. Um, so how did you start to heal from everything that you went through because that's just such a I can't even believe you had to go through all of that yeah unfortunately lots and lots of kids do and many of them do not heal many of them become addicted to alcohol and porn and drugs and whatnot many of them commit suicide and uh to answer your question so about 15 years ago I had this episode happen to me, right? So it's like experiencing a major panic attack. I had no idea what it was. And it was like at two in the morning, woke me up. I thought I was having a heart attack. I, I my, my chest was just off the charts. I felt like I was going to die. I literally couldn't get out of bed and go to the door. It debilitated me awful. And I was able to get my phone, call 911. I was alone at the time. And, and I got ambulance came got rushed to the hospital they do all the heart tests because much of the pain was in my chest area and at the end of all that they're like well jimmy you are healthy as can be we could find nothing wrong with you and that began a 14 year journey <laughs> journey <laughs> 14 years of hell of having those episodes hit me about two or three times a week with no memories I didn't know what they were. During that 15, 14 years, I went to every doctor. I spent so much time and money. I went, after all the traditional doctors and scans and scopes and everything, then I went through all the, you know, holistic doctors and acupuncturists. And I went through a round of spiritual healers. And not a one of them, not a one of them in 14 years came to me and said, based off what you're telling me, uh, maybe this could be trauma. Not a one of them. And it may, yeah, I, I don't know what to make of that other than that's just what happened. And it might be other people's reality as well. Well, in the 15th year of that, which literally was just last year, at the beginning of the year, another episode came and a memory came. And I thought, I thought these episodes were bad when the memory came. They were off the charts awful. Because when these memories happen, once again, you are feeling 
exactly everything that little boy was feeling when he was tortured, if you were tortured. You're feeling all of it. And the hormonal rush that runs through your body. I mean, you get shot with adrenaline and cortisol. It just rushes through your body. Now, if you're in a state of panic and that happens, it, it pushes all the blood out of your main body, uh, cavity uh, organs area into your hands, your feet and hands so that you could fight or flight, right? That's what it does. Well, in an emergency, you can recover and you're, and you're fine. But when that happens to you day after day after day after day, and so for almost a year, I had almost daily memories come back and these awful things happen. And I had to figure out how to deal with them. Well, at first I didn't know. Finally, after several months of that, I was able to find a, an amazing psychiatrist who specialized in sexual ritualistic abuse. Now, there are different modalities of dealing with this. And that's it, it makes it hard for people because often they don't know what to do. Some professionals say, well, do body work or do tapping or do, I don't know if you know what EMDR is. And that, you know, what, what much of that is, it's an, it's an attempt and, and, it, and it works to a degree and it probably works great for some people. It didn't work so much for me, but it's an attempt to keep you grounded in the present as you go back in time to visit that awful hell. That's what it is. And so the eye movement thing came out of a, a, somebody smart noticing that their patients as they walked down the halls, it helped because the movement help them stay grounded in the present. Because if you don't stay grounded in the present, you can get lost back into the memory and the event too far. And uh, so while you're visiting that, yes, I'm sitting here on a couch and I have somebody who loves me next to me, even though I'm going back in there. So I got trained by this wonderful psychiatrist and um, I was able to, when they, when these episodes hit me, the thing I had to go search for wasn't necessarily what trauma was happening to that kid, but what was I feeling? Because like in the case of the coffin thing, I was, <laughs> I was feeling suffocated to death. So I had to name that feeling for that particular trauma. And when, once I could name it, what am I feeling? What am I feeling? Then I could go back in time and find that little boy right in the middle of that happening. Sometimes I found him quickly. Other times, it took days. Who knows why? It's just they're all different. And then once you go back there, it's not you necessarily rescuing the child. It's you helping the child find safety. And this is the magical part of it all, is that little boy, in my case, could literally make up anything he wanted to get out of that situation. He could imagine a sword in his hand and he fights back. He can imagine him just floating up out of the air and escaping. Um, he, can, he can imagine anything. That's the magic part of this. And it's literally, it's literally changing the narrative. It's literally rewriting the story. It's literally changing the past. And um, it works. It works for me. Every time I did it correctly, that awful episode that, that, that was stored in my body literally left if I did it correctly. Now, there's a good book out there. I, it, it, when the process of going through this, I became like an expert on this because I studied and studied. I went through probably four years of college study in several months. That's all I did. And the best book out of all of them is, is by a doctor named Dr. Vander Kolk, K-O-L-K, and it's called The Body Keeps the Score. And he, he explains really well in that book how the, how the body literally stores all that trauma. So even if it's awful trauma, in my case, it stores it. But even if it's just 
you know, let's say lesser trauma, it still stores it. And some people, this trauma, or somebody would call it anxiety, some people it just drips into their system for decades. And they're, oh, I'm dealing with anxiety. Yes, you are. And that's, you know, but there is a way to actually release it so it, all of it is no longer stored in your system. From the last episode I had, which was very late last year till now, and I knew it was the last one because it was so horrific. Um, I have not had an episode since. I can talk about this stuff. I don't feel any of the uh, bad hormonal dump or cortisol dump in me. I've literally released it. That's the magical part of this. But there's a challenge there. Like, like there are... There are cases of young girls who get raped little. They grow up and they date guys who abuse them. You see that all the time. You're like, why do they do that? Well, it's familiar. As awful as it is, it's familiar territory for them. Well, this trauma that we live with and have, it is familiar. It's part of us. It's not good. It's not fun. But we can live with it. Or we can choose to face it, which is Harder, more painful, more awful. Which of the two are you going to live with? Most people opt to, to live with what they're familiar with because facing it is so ugly. It is, but <clears throat> I agree with you in that. I think it's so much better even when it's difficult to face that trauma and to heal it because not only all of the emotional, the panic attacks and all the things that you are describing, it can manifest into physical illness in the body, disease in the body too. Hugely. So one, uh, that's a great point. On the uh, 2022 is when all the memories came back, hundreds and hundreds of them. By the time I got to the last one, uh, I'm typically very healthy. I run a lot. I'm thin. I eat well and all this and that. Pretty active. And by the time I got to the last one, I had lost I don't have 30 pounds to lose, <laughs> but I lost about 30 pounds. I was really thin. I could hardly walk from one room to another. Wow. That constant stress kick on my body. I remember about a month after that, I was starting to recover. I thought, I'm going to try to do a push-up. And so I got down to do a push-up. I went down and I hit the floor and it wiped me out for about two days. Wow. It, it, had I kept on that tra trajectory, it's it, it'll, it'll kill you. It'll literally ruin your body. And in, in more more most of today's vernacular, it's a common knowledge that stress can have effects on your body, right? Ill effects mm -hmm. on your body. Yeah. So, so you're right. And so, not only do you not as an adult, not only do you need to go face this head on, but but yeah, it's going to have a if you've had lots of traumas to deal with, um, it's going to have an effect on you physically. And, and that stress, when it comes, you know, it, it'll most likely find the weakest point of you. If your liver happens to be not as healthy as the rest of you, it might manifest there. Yeah. Uh, it's, it, yeah I've it's, seen that a lot. I've seen that happen. It's awful there. that way. Yeah. So, so tell us about your book, because, so you're an artist. Yeah. And so tell been, us about the book, Heal. Sure. So, uh. Fortunately, I've been able to use a lot of my art to illustrate. It's, 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 there's a lot of pictures, almost like a coffee table picture book. But the first part of it talks a lot about what we just talked about. What is trauma? How does it work? The different types of modalities, the fact that it stores in your body, 
how to get rid of it, the magical process of facing it and rewriting the narrative, et cetera. And the last half are 22 stories. I have hundreds of these, but I picked 22. I picked several that are just off the charts awful. And there are, there are, there are a lot of traumatic events that aren't bloody and full of physical pain. Like for instance, not being heard. Mm-hmm. You could cry out in a family of kids and moms and dads and uncles and, and nobody hears you. Uh, the, the trauma of just being left behind or the trauma of of extreme sadness because you witnessed another kid die. There are lots of different types of traumas. And that's the point of going back is each one you you learn to identify exactly what you're feeling. And so the last half of the book are 22 of these stories, what the trauma was, how I went back there and how it was magically healed, how the narrative was changed. And they're fascinating because each time I went back to that little guy, I had no idea what he was going to come up with. And some were simple as let's, let's just, let's create a magical door that doesn't exist here and let's escape out of this hell and let's just walk and walk and walk until we put safety. And some were awful, awful. There was one where uh, these adults were, this had to do with sound. I'm, I'm really keen on sound because I do a lot of music production. And um, <laughs> I was in this room with other kids and they were gonna take us to another room where I knew they were torturing kids. And I'd been there before and I did not wanna go because I knew what was happening. And these adults came to grab me and they start out with this real sweet, oh, come on, little Jimmy, and they all smile on their face. And then I did not wanna go because I pushed back. Their fake smile went to dark evil really quick. And the, the sounds that came out of those individuals yelling at me, it was it was just, it was horrific sounds. Because it's not just threats. They actually deliver on their threats. And so as they're yelling at me, I, I had one of these episodes, and I, was, and I had to go back and find that little guy who was right in the middle of being yelled at and going to be grabbed. And I, I was able to get behind him and whisper into his ear, what do you want to do to get out of here? And each time I did something similar to that, I had no idea what this little guy was going to do. And in this case, surprise, surprise the hell on him. He reached out and he grabbed the throats of these adults and ripped the throats right out of them. There was, there was five of them and he ripped all their throats out. And I, I could still see it. I could still see them breathing and blood spurting out of their throats. And, and, and it ended in a scene of absolute carnage. And they were all dead now and blood everywhere and their vocal cords ripped out. And we got the hell out of there. And after we got out, there was no revenge. There was no nothing. It was just quiet. That little guy hugging me until time passed. So it's a fascinating, magical experience to go through these things. And some are really quite beautiful. I, I don't know how much time we have, but I can tell you a beautiful one if you want. Yeah, sure. I'd love that. So one episode, I, was, I felt this heavy, heavy, heavy sadness. And so I went back to find this guy and I ended up in this, like, like, like you'd see on an epic movie of a meadow and the big mountains, you know. And uh, off in the distance, I saw this little object walking towards me. And after a little while, I realized, realized it's, this, it's little me. He's walking. But he's not walking towards me. And I felt compelled to not approach him. I don't know why I just felt that way. And so he walks and he's going in a straight line and his head is down and he's just 
so sad, just completely sad demeanor, walking slowly, slowly. And he walks by me and I look where he's going and there's a female figure sitting at the base of the mountains, very calmly just sitting there. And he's, okay, I get it, he's walking towards her. So I moved closer to see what, and I thought when he, when he approached this woman that, that he would stop and they'd have a conversation, but he didn't. He no didn't stop at all. He walked right into her arms, and uh, she just held him. And it was it, she was like a heavenly mother type of figure, and uh, that's what he needed. And that episode went away. Really quite beautiful. I love the technique of rewriting the narrative of what happened. But when you're telling these stories, what it really makes me think of is you're taking back your power. Absolutely, that little kid had no power. That little kid is taking back the power. It's not you going in and like being the hero and killing all the enemies and the kid gets safe. The kid, at least in my case, every single time, that little me had to figure out what to do knowing that it was that little boy was empowered to find safety either get out of there go to somebody like a like a mother figure who could because had had that little me at the time actually had a mother to go to to do that that episode would have been taken care of back then right so it's it's magical stuff it's all over the board it's uh, all, all, all the traumatic events, hundreds of them I went back to, I got to a point, as painful as they were, I got to a point where I was so damn fascinated by what would transpire. And I, I, got, I got the craziest stories of what transpired, and they're all over the place. I mean, we, we, once I found him, and he was in front of him, we're sitting about 20 little kids, and, and he was so sad, sitting on this rock, and, and, um, it took me a minute to figure out that the kids were consoling him. They are kids who had died. And they'd come back to say to him, it's okay. Just craziest things. But all of them got resolved. Hundreds of them. I, know, I no longer walk around with all that in me. And I don't know this because I don't know everybody's situation. But I believe, I believe that at some level, everybody can achieve a similar type of thing where they can they can go they can face the pain they can go right into the pain realizing that okay another thing to note that in every one of these episodes i went back to is the one thing that helped the most by far was to have somebody in the room who loved me once i had one of these episodes and no one nobody was home and my daughter just showed up to visit and i said can you sit with me I just held her hand. As I went through the pain, my whole body's shaking and I'll go in there. Having having a person who loves you, even if they're not your psychologist who doesn't understand, even if it's a friend who surprised as hell, this person's kind of freaking out. Just hold them. It matters. It matters all the difference. Yeah, it really does. And I think, you know, you're incredibly brave for facing the trauma because as you said, a lot of people choose to ignore it and try to 
continue on in the rest of their lives, never having faced it or healing it. And, you know, there's that saying, when you don't heal your wounds, you bleed all over people who didn't cut you. And so I think that it, it shows up in other ways, that trauma, I mean, it doesn't go away, it's still there and it shows up and manifests in a lot of different ways. And I think for a lot of people that manifests in self-sabotaging. Yeah, to think that 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 stuff is literally in your brain and body doing its wreaking its havoc, let's say, sometimes in little drips throughout the years, sometimes in major episodes. Absolutely. Well, I love that you have written this book, but I know that you also compose music. So mm -hmm. what are you working on right now? Anything, uh, anything special? <laughs> it's, it's fascinating because for all those years, I forgot all this until it all came back, right? Literally forgot it. I look back and I and I've written so many songs about child abuse. I had no idea why. And I've and all through my life I've found a fascination with it. If I heard a story about a child being abused, I would read it or I'd study it. Didn't know why. And so I have an art exhibit that I, I did my first one last weekend and I'm gonna take this one on the road, but um the the the, the art portrays this journey of absolute darkness and blood and horror. And as you go through the progression of the art, it goes to the healing, kind of goes kind of the classic dark to light thing. And so the, the abuse happened and the confusion of what do you do about it? And then once you enter on a path of, okay, I, I can see a light at the end of the tunnel, so to speak. And then the magical part of healing, that's a fascinating journey. And I, to your point, I don't know this either, but I also believe that everybody has a level of trauma in them. Some worse than others, no doubt. But still, um, if you don't figure out how to manage it or release it, it's, it's not going away. It's not going away on its own. So it doesn't true. just say I'm bored and I'm tired here and I'm leaving. That is so, so true. So I'm to, sorry, I didn't even answer your question. So, so I'm composing new pieces of music around what I know now as opposed to then. You know, then I was in a rock band and did all that. And this, my past music is much of that kind of stuff. And uh, now it's a little more sophisticated, a lot of uh, classical piano stuff mixed with some modern stuff. But with these messages, more specifically, let's say uh, created by somebody who knows more now than they did. Well, I love that. And I really do want to applaud you for sharing your story because I think it's so important that others know that they're not alone and have proof that, hey, here's someone who did experience all this trauma and has been able to work through it and heal and get to the other side of it. And I think that gives people hope. And so I really appreciate everything that you're doing and applaud you for coming here today to share your story with us. Sure, my pleasure, but I appreciate you giving this a platform. Absolutely. And if there's anyone out there listening who wants to buy a copy of your book, or maybe they would just like to see some of your art or listen to some of the music that you've composed, what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah, go to my website. It's Jimmy, J-I-M-M-I, Toro, T-O-R-O, dot com. I've also started a nonprofit called Rescue 11, rescue11.org. And our mission is we go into communities and we set up clubs at high schools and we set up adult clubs. And the purpose of these clubs is to 
teach them and to raise and to reach out into a community. These clubs will connect with like the, like the judicial, the religions, the no, other nonprofits, therapists, law enforcement, legal work, you know, community people and raise awareness that these predators, these creeps are right in your community. They, they are. And they wake up every day trying to figure out how to abuse, steal, harm, or kill your child. That sounds extreme, but it's not. They are addicted and from the mouth of another predator. Um, I can't stop abusing children. It's more addictive to me than cocaine. These creeps, they are there. And so, so this, our nonprofit, um, and if anybody listening to you wants to set up a high school club in your area or an adult club, typically we're working with people who are older and retired and have time and want purpose to help uh, raise this awareness in their communities. Oh, I love that you're doing that too. Um, mm -hmm. I'm also a high school teacher. Oh, now, right. So <laughs> yeah, they are the ones being preyed on. Yeah, absolutely. They are them. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, thank you so much again for being here with us today and for sharing your story. I truly appreciate it. And I encourage everyone to go and check out your website and to check out that nonprofit too, because, you know, anyone can help out and any little thing that you can do to be of service makes a huge difference. Yeah. Thank you very much. Thank you. And I want to thank all of you for being here with us today as well. As always, if you like this podcast, please subscribe. Please leave a positive review from wherever you're listening. And the greatest compliment you can pay me is to share this podcast with others that you think might benefit. If you want to join us on Patreon, you can sign up for a free seven-day trial. And you can see the video of this interview. You can also join us for a live card reading where I pull cards for you for free and you can cancel at any time. So check us out. The link will be in the show notes. I hope you guys have a beautiful day from wherever you're listening. As always, I am sending you so much love and light and I will talk to you soon. Bye guys.